There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. When we are in love, we open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. John Lennon. Bending, Not Breaking. Season 3, Episode 14. The Boiling Rock, Part 1. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And I'm Ben Pruitt. And we don't have Max today. Oh, Max. I miss him already. Max has like a job that like pulls him away from us. And it's really annoying. And he's never going to hear this. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll listen to that part. He doesn't listen to the episodes. I mean, he listens to the parts. He won't get to this part. He won't listen to this part specifically. He might. He knows. We'll, We'll, We'll let him. We'll tell him. We'll tell him. Anyways. He'll, he's here in spirit. Always here in spirit. Right. He's And we're, we're excited to jump into this episode because Boiling Rock. Wow. What a, There's a reason it's a two-part episode. That's right. What an episode. Really a lot so to discuss here. A lot, to, a lot to dive into. But so much Don't to dive, dive into. in too much because it's boiling water under there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so to this for this episode, we decided on the lens. Actually, our patrons decided on the lens of motivation for this episode. Motivation, motivation. no breathing. What? I don't know. Anyway, so motivation the Papa is Papa Roach song, except I believe it's you know suffocation what's really, is the we're we're really being tough sticking on task. <laughs> you know what's really hard? Finding quotes about motivation and you not, know why and not motivational quotes. because everything comes up as motivational quotes like i'm not trying to be motivated i want to know about motivation here are nine ways for you to be motivated here are the seven things that help motivate your work and your employees sleep do these <laughs> things right it's just ugh, god anyway i was i threw up a little in my mouth i was i was researching for a quote but i found john lennon even though you know he's somewhat problematic but it is what it is it is what it is I also quotes. disagree with the premise that there's only two motivating factors. I think that it, it, it was a quote. What did it provoke in you? That's what matters. Food motivates me sometimes. Ooh. I'm like a dog. I like food. Hey, do the dishes. Dinner's afterwards. Okay. Dinner's after the dishes? Well, like, if you do the dishes now of all the things that we cooked with. Uh, I see. Then, I see, like, I see. the food's there afterwards. Speaking of motivation, what, like, as you were looking into this episode, what are the thing? what did... What is motivation to you? Like, what did you think well, about it's as really motivation? Really, the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. Sounds like you got a definition or something. What? Yeah, but no. Like, yeah, that sounds exactly. So, where, where is that a Merriam-Webster? Is that the Google? Is that, what kind of definition is that? Oh, it's the Google. You know, the governing body of all the land, Google. The Google. Don't believe in my last statement. It was just a somewhat of a joke. Anyway, but so yeah, so when I was looking <laughs> through this episode, yeah, um, what's the reasoning behind what people are doing? Right? What is the yeah? I, what's the what? Yeah. And I think for me, it's I I had a very Machiavellian the prince like we had to study this in AP Euro when I was in tenth oh, grade. Totally, totally, totally. And you know, fear and love are the two discerning factors. Oh, John. Uh, Lennon. And I it was nice for me because I was like. I think I came out with a different 
like aha moment through this episode that we'll get to. Oh, I'm intrigued. Um, but I think it's it's nice to kind of look at each individual character throughout this story and say like, what was their cause and motivation for this? What does this mean? What does this lead to? How does this work? And that's where we're at. That's what um, that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to dive into. But I believe before we jump into that, I think it's my turn. It's always your turn. And it's not always my turn. It is my turn now to right talk now. about the 30-second recap. 30-second Do you have recap. the clock ready oh, to yeah. go? Recap on your mark. Get set. Go. Zuko can't remember a joke and services the gang tea anyways. And then Sokka asks to talk about Zuko about where he keeps all the prisoners. And they talk about the boiling rock. And then Sokka asks to regain his honor. And then Zuko opens up about his uncle relationship with May. And that's rough, buddy, about Sokka and the moon. And then they crash land in the boiling rock. And then there's a fight. Uh, we see Jin Seng fighting back against a guard, but he doesn't really fight back, but it was provoked by the guard, and there's a whole thing about that that's very problematic that I think it fits really nice into society here. And then Zuko asks about war Three prisoners, seconds. and then they set up a plan, but then they don't <clears throat> go away with the plan, and then they see a coda. Oh, man, you got the 32 seconds, man. That's two seconds that... I spent two seconds not recapping the episode, but highlighting a moment that I thought was pretty important. That's rough, buddy. Let's see what you did there. I don't love it. I mean, I wonder I if love the way that it. that felt. <laughs> I honestly, though, I, like when you hear him say that in the moment, it comes off as like really genuine. Oh, like, absolutely. It comes off as like a very empathetic, like, yeah, that stinks. Like, it's not like a, there's no silver lining it. There's no, Zuko doesn't try to sit there and be like, but at least, you know, you, you had a girlfriend, right? Like, that's not the way that Zuko approaches that situation. And I think that that's, and I think that's just, that's, that's really nice. For sure. You know, I, I really appreciate Zuko in this moment, and I think <laughs> it's it's very memeable, and it's also a really neat moment between the two of them, uh, and so I just, I, I appreciate it. But let's, let's, let's move forward. Let's talk about motivation. What are some moments in the episode that you noticed this, this idea, or the, what, what did you notice? It is really interesting to see Sokka take up the mantle of, I have to restore my honor. And allowing that to be a motivating factor. Did he say that literally, or are you? He does. No, he literally says, "I've got to restore my honor." And Zuko Dang. says something along the lines of, "Like, I get it. I get it." <laughs> I th- I, hold on. He says, "Believe me, I get it." That's his response. Yeah. Um. And I wonder if that's really this. I've got to restore my honor, and that's the motivating factor, or if the motivating factor is guilt or shame around his father being imprisoned. Well, yeah. Well, and I think that's exactly what it is i think we put the label of it and i think zuko does the same thing of i have to restore my honor which implies that you have lost it and so what happens when you've lost honor it's a like to me that concept means i have lost my i've done something wrong and i need to be redeemed right and so that is inherently going to involve either shame or guilt depending on your narrative right yes and I think what happens is when we are, quote, dishonored, uh, or if we are telling ourselves a narrative that we do not have honor because of a certain action, then if our response is guilt, we're probably going to act within our values. And if our response is shame, we might not. And so does that boil down to motivation? <laughs> Get out of, it? Boiling rock. <laughs> does that boil down to motivation out of love? 
Interesting. Um, love for his father, love for himself, love to to get out of that space and, and to feel well, that's so love, interesting. and that's to a... feel love for himself. Versus shame, which is fear based, right? The fear of disconnection. Correct. Interesting. No, I can get behind that for sure. So maybe fear and love are the only two. Listeners, how do you feel about the concept of fear versus love as the two basic motivational factors? And I, so I think this is a moment, too, where for Zuko, what's his motivation? And it clearly comes from a place of love and support. This is not a part of the mission necessarily. This is not a part of him taking down Ozai to be able to—but to but this is something where he feels—he understands where Sokka is coming from. I, and he knows that he can't, Sokka likely can't do it without his knowledge there. Yeah, I, I think that this is a moment of, of deep— compassion on Zuko's part and when we put uh Brene talks about putting compassion to action is what empathy is in like compassion Pima Chodron Pema Chodron uh said that compassion is when you're able to sit in someone's darkness right and I'm paraphrasing but it's one of those things where when you can sit in that darkness and Zuko having been in the dark for so long is like dude i i know what that's like i have experienced this i can be a resource for you as you navigate this darkness and he doesn't turn on the light right he doesn't say no it'll get better it'll be fine instead he says i'll go with you and that's just really beautiful it's so what kind of as as we're talking about these things one of the things of how do we translate this into our current state Mm. where we Mm -hmm. are i feel like the question will get asked well how do i motivate myself to feel that way or how do i motivate myself to go up and do this thing i'm looking to be motivated (laughs) um and it comes off to me as the answer and it's as cliche as it might sound for us is it goes back to living inside of your value system um and and to me and so as zuko is working to live in and and to reconciliation into understanding that he is honorable understanding that he needs to take care of other people i feel like that's what drives his motivation forward in this moment where he easily could have been like i get that i might need to do this or i could do this and i really don't feel like it right now so what mo- what what is that motivating push i, I have a thought him? i would love to hear it so i i think that we can't isolate this episode in terms of Zuko's motivation and I and a, the reason is I think that we see Zuko uh over the first two seasons and into the third made a lot of mistakes right and what yeah who to thunk but uh he made a lot of mistakes and I think they that he is able to label them that way which is why I feel comfortable using that phrase but he makes a lot of mistakes and he gets to the point where he joins the gang and they don't trust him especially Katara. And we talked about that in the forgiveness episode with um, Marilyn. And we get to this point now, and y'all, it, it's, it's this, this is Zuko making reparations. Love Z- to see it. Zuko is going on these, quote, field trips with the members of the gang as a form of reparation and repair. He is saying, I have done wrong. I have 
the potential to make things right. And one of the ways I can do that is by sitting in their darkness with them as they navigate it. And I think that as he goes on all these little journeys and he did it with Aang on his adventure, he was able to like walk Aang and be what be by his side. He was able to be with Sokka in this. And we're going to see him do that with Katara as well. And so I, I just think that this is an act of reparation. And I think his, his motivation is certainly based out of love because of that. It's saying, Hey, I love what these, the potential that these people have and I want to nurture it. All right. What what about you? What's a motivation moment for you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's a lot in here. Frankly, we see the primary motivation for Sokka. You say that it's to restore honor. I think that, uh, he like the motivating factor for me is is dad he really wants to get dad out of prison because he feels like he put him there right it's his responsibility because it's his fault right and so that gets back to this concept of guilt but what does that mean when he gets to the this prison and sees suki but not his father and so what then is his motivation to stay does that make sense you mean as the as they're deciding so, to yeah, get his, into the cooler? His or? primary motivation was what brought him there. I gotta find my dad. And then he has a secondary motivation that keeps him there. Huh. So tell me about your perception of that moment and what keeps him there. As in the moment when they had the decision to get into the cooler. They or had not. the moment to escape, right? They had a chance. Mm-hmm. I I think that that moment goes back to uh, his initial drive of if I leave right now. This guilt, this reasoning may or may not dissipate if I still have an opportunity to get my father out of this. It's a risk. It's being vulnerable. It's taking that unknown jump, that leap of faith, and it might not have panned out for him. Um, But he knew that that was something that he needed to do. But I think what allows him to do that is the support of the other people around him in that moment. Interesting. Um, I think the ability to have people say, we're here with you. We know this is a hard decision, but we are backing you on this is is one that allows him to give the, the courage to kind of make that call. And kind of I want to jump off of something that like Indira talked about in her episode, uh, which I loved her. That was great. But, what a wonderful episode. Uh, so Indira talked about how Aang went into a culture and was willing to accept the consequences uh, and accept whether like the fire uh, sun warriors could have rejected him. And Aang was willing to accept that. And I think one of the things that is involved here is a, a analogous thing that Zuko is walking into. He is walking into a situation where he could get caught. He is putting himself in harm's way for the sake of who he is going with. And I think that's a, a that is a similar experience. So when you are when you are willing to walk into when you're willing to put yourself at risk for the sake of another, that is really beautiful. And I just I wanted to kind of draw that comparison because motivation is what allows us to make courageous acts. And I, I'm curious because we see a lot of courage in this episode, but we also see a lot of things that motivate people to do things that are that are not great right yeah and i jumping into that i want to talk on the courage point because i think we brought it up before but i also want to highlight it again of this moment of 
that courageous act doesn't mean that the fear is gone. That doesn't mean yes, that the fear like absolutely. goes away. Because I feel like sometimes we hear courage being talked about as this thing of no fear. If you if you are courageous when you let go of the fear, when you don't feel the fear anymore, and I don't think that's the case. I think that, and we see it in Saka. It's when that motivation, when that support allows you to acknowledge the fear and move past it. But that doesn't mean it's gone. Um, he still gets to make that courageous decision. And to be honest, even getting inside the cooler would have still been a courageous decision. The The act itself of having to choose, I think, in that moment is courageous. I think having mm. to make that call itself is mm. courageous, mm. regardless of the outcome. Um, and I think that that's worth highlighting is that anytime that you are – the motivation might push you past the fear, but that doesn't mean the fear is gone. Um, and doesn't mean that it, you don't feel it anymore because that's not how our body works. That's not how this happens physiologically inside of us. Um, and it's we aren't meant to not feel the fear. I don't think that you are meant to suppress any feelings. Mm. Um, and so trying to say, like, don't feel the fear is a, a really tough mindset. Um, and so you just got to allow that motivation no. to kind of work around that. For me, it's what can motivate you enough to feel that fear and still be courageous still be courageous exactly so yeah like y'all it's not about like let it go like like elsa in the sense of like let it go it's in the sense of hey rather than letting this control where i go instead i'm going to walk with it right it's not like instead of the dog pulling the leash right instead it is saying hey I'm I'm in control here of where we're going. I'm in control and where of where we're going and this dog is going to walk with me instead of drag me where I don't want to go. Right? Yeah. That may not be a perfect analogy, but but I think um, I think it works here. But let's let's jump into the what you were talking about about like sometimes leading without maybe the wrong motivation, maybe not doing <laughs> it in the right way. So let's talk about this Fire Nation guard. I was that's uh, yeah we see this moment of him instigating something that isn't there. Yes. Just for the sole purpose of, well, hold on before you like project your motivation onto him. Like, That's fair. What is the most generous, assumption is the most can... generous assumption about the motivation of this guard. And I don't have a good answer, but like, I don't want to project uh, that's fair. the negative assumption, right? Uh, you're so right. So before we do that, what what is the negative assumption? What were you going to say? And then we can come back to this. He's trying to assert his dominance and authority and doing that in a way that he feels justified in doing, knowing that he might get in trouble if he does it unprovokedly. But if he can, like, poke him to get you saying to actually, like, firebend back or yeah, do something, yeah. now he's justified in his behavior because – Jitsang attacked him. And Absolutely. So that's that's where we're at. And so he he was allowed to do this, which seems like something he wanted to do anyways. Like, yeah. I mean, for, for me, my negative assumption is that he's bored and that he wanted something to do and he wanted to assert this this power as a form of, well, these people don't that, like these people aren't people. Right. So I can just like do whatever I want and treat them however I want. Again, and we've talked about this before. What happens when you're part of a profession where culturally you might need to dehumanize a group of people just to be able to morally like come to grips with For sure. the way that you are having to treat them. Absolutely. To be able to put them in solitary confinement and not feel anything about it. Does that does that force a culture of dehumanization 
an authority and violence because if that doesn't exist, if you can't compartmentalize that, then you've got some reckoning to do with can, inside. Can I, can I reframe that for a second? Yes. So please. one of the things you said is that about solitary confinement is, ah, oh, what did you say? So moral of the story is when solitary confinement is an option and we are, uh, where it is a part of the culture to utilize that option, that is a problem in and of itself. Correct. Right? And so this this guard is in a system that is perpetuating this, and he is complicit in that system continuing. Does that make sense? And so solitary confinement, like I'm going to say it, is a form of torture, right? Well, there's data that backs that. There's yes. data that backs that the the biological response to solitary confinement. We are neurobiologically wired. Science, like science proved this. We are neurobiologically wired for connection. And so if we are utilizing disconnection, we are literally like that translates from our body into pain. The experience and emotions we feel during that moment manifest themselves in a physical reaction that manifests as pain Right. Well, and the response that it doesn't actually have the result that people are, I think are looking for. Like it doesn't deem this rehabilitation that prison systems are supposed to be creating. Absolutely. Right. Like it doesn't. It doesn't do that. It just creates for more mental wear and tear, and thus making it tougher to make cognitive decisions. It's it's a whole well, slew of things. And more than that, this solitary confinement has an added component of freezing them. And so for me, this is like, this is unreal. Like this is like, oh my it's goodness, it's torture. It's like, like literally, the man is freezing. So what motivation? What is the most generous assumption that you have? The, frankly, the most generous assumption that I can make about this guard uh, choosing to put Chitsang in solitary confinement. There's two possibilities. Because we see him instigate. Like that's a thing. I I think that. It would be hard for someone to argue that he did not instigate this. Correct. So I, I'm on board with saying that is true. Uh, but one is that he truly believes that Chit Sang is dangerous. And so even if he's not doing anything in this moment, even that he might that he might do it later. In yes. which case, I better put him in solitary before I think he does that's, anything. Wrong. I think that's honestly a stretch. So that's not my primary argument. Um, my secondary argument is that he does not see Chitsang as human. And I mean that liberally. Like, I, I think that there's enough evidence. If we relate this to our current, our, the current state of affairs in the world, especially in the United States, uh, one of the things that has been really fascinating for me as I, as I learn about uh, this anti-racist work that I'm doing is if we go back to the the south early on and what was happening is this like so content warning we're going to talk about uh lynchings at, for a second um if that's something that you do not want to engage in skip ahead a couple seconds um but the, in the south lynching has there's a history of lynching in the south and frankly a history of current day lynching and so for for me one of the ha things that happened around there was the the dehumanization of black people 
it leads to that that leads to the capacity to be able to do that and so literally over the course of hundreds of years slavery three-fifths of a person etc black people have been dehumanized so long to the point where people didn't bat an eye when things happen emmett till when that happened to emmett till mammy till mosby uh mom was so full of grief that she made it public so when he died he she wanted to make sure that his picture was visible to the entire country Mm -hmm. and that collective grief sparked a movement that initially like created a portion of the civil rights movement a month later that's when rosa parks was noted like uh made her motion on the bus and so it's one of those things where that that moment of collective grief of being able to see this person as human when people were able to actually make the connection that's really important and so for uh, this is a really long story about of this this moment but when we don't see the humanity in someone, it allows us to make decisions that treat people as if they're not human. It can be violent. <laughs> it allows us to be violent and allows us to torture them without worrying and allow like as you mentioned, the like if you are in war, you need to compartmentalize and not see people as people because <laughs> it's detrimental to your health. You might literally die if you aren't able to act and pull that trigger, right? In war, we're talking about a massive extreme here. And so we have to really put ourselves in this moment where this guard like, has to be in a place where there is a history of treating people in this prison as if they aren't human. When that culture is being set by the warden, who is ruling yes. and motivating through fear— and this kind of goes back to that Prince Machiavellian idea of, is it better to be feared or loved? And I think my big aha moment is that the goal of your actions, of living inside your values and doing these things, should not be one based off of, are people going to love me or fear me because of it? It should be coming from a place of, are you doing this because you love them? Are you doing this from a place of support for others? Are you doing this in a way that you are not looking for the response of, I need to be loved for this behavior, I need to be feared for this behavior, but I'm doing it because I want to love and support others. And I think that's an important uh, shift that might not be, I think love is still the motivating factor, but it's an outward showing of that rather than a, I'm making this decision because I think someone might love me because of it. Um, And I think that that's an important distinction in what what are we doing to motivate to lead the people around us? If we're looking about how to be better leaders in ourselves, that's got that's got to come into play. You got to start with heart. It can't be this. I'm doing this because I want people to love me or fear me. It's because I want to show support and to show love and to show compassion and to show empathy. And when we start with our own heart, it allows us to be better leaders and better motivators. If we're making a decision yeah. from that place, well, and it's- that was very that was a lot. Yeah. So I don't, but I think what I'm saying is it is very clear the warden is ruling based off of I want people to fear me. I want people to fear this place. I want people to understand this, my record, and I want people to be scared of that, which is ultimately going to shift the cultural behavior of these guards, anyways, in a side of a system that is already built to highlight that he is just he is shining a floodlight instead of uh when it, by his actions and the culture that the warden is setting 
and it doesn't work. Yeah. We see that backfire in the next episode when people use that feature to shift and manipulate situations to so that Sokka can do that because of the way that the warden leads. If the warden was compassionate and caring, Sokka probably wouldn't have been able to convince that guard to drop the doors and, and let all the prisoners out. For sure. Yeah. I'm worried I said a name wrong earlier. I, Mammy Till Mobley. I think Got I it. said I think I said the name wrong, so I wanted to correct myself. Great, but that's right. So again, I think that's that's where we see this distinction, and I think we see like what does it mean to lead by fear? Which one's better? I, I, that's where I kind of land on it. Yeah, you know, I really love this this concept that you're bringing up of other focused versus me focused, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just I, I think that's so important and and i think that's something that we have to focus on when it comes to policy as well and when we set policy correct and so how do we instead of centering my experience how do i center the most vulnerable and their experience in order to create a better world right um that's kind of the concept of womanism frankly and I mean, we're seeing inside of this prison that, and we've seen before, like, all right, Hakoda's there. There are other people that Suki's in there. He's not there yet. Or he will be. Yeah. Um, but we've seen Fire Nation imprison people just for existing. And so there's a good chance that these people inside of here are not these hardened criminals, these. These more, are more like, dehumanizing terms that there's we a can lot of use. political criminals here, right like it's it's, prisoners a, it's, of war. it's how do we and yeah. yet they are still being tortured yet yes. they are still being under this guise of rehabilitation or making you a model citizen or um i mean but even even zuko said at the beginning like it's not good Sokka. like you don't really want to know what's going down here yeah yeah oh any man. other big moments oh there's there's a lot <laughs> uh for sure. Um, Can we talk about just real quick, like Sokka, like introducing himself to Suki again, like probably <laughs> not, probably, probably not, not in the, the best, best way, like probably yeah. not just a good idea to physically touch yeah, someone he, in an unsafe frankly, situation and well, that, without and their he, consent. He, and... he deserved to get hit in that moment. I'm just going to put it out there. Like, I don't blame her in the slightest. No. At all. Like 100% in the right for doing that. Correct. Like, don't go try to kiss people with without consent. Well, that... Even if you know them, even if that moment is like, oh, I've done it before, like, it's fine. Like, no. No. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I, it's just like, it kind of... I'm, I'm like, dude, what is going through your head? Like, do you not remember like, where you please are? Please take off or your like... helmet. Like, <laughs> yeah. you expect that she's going to know who you are? Yeah, I... There's... there's it's a little bit of a problem. That's that's just her motivation to hit the guard in the stomach. Very valid. Yeah, especially had that been not Sokka, not Sokka, right? Like, oh my gosh, right? That's oh, ugh, that makes me sick to think about it but as another let's, person. But let's talk about Suki because I think this is an important part. Uh, important part. Suki as the bomb dot com as uh, the best character ever. Just as, like, fantastic. Super win. We've recently awesome. posted a tattoo of Suki on our Instagram. Oh, so uh, done by Tiffer Wright, uh, and it is, it is good. It's good. It is good. I'm a fan. Yeah, as someone who appreciates tattoos, I it is good. Um, really knocked it out of the park. So, um, but what 
as someone who's been in prison for a while, you would think her motivation to like get out as quickly as possible to not experience that anymore, and yet she doesn't. She doesn't choose that path. She's willing to stick behind Sokka when he decides to stay at the end. Um, we also see, like, I might be wrong, but I didn't see any other female prisoners. Did I miss that? I wasn't paying attention, but I'm reflecting on guards. it now. I saw female guards, but I don't recall seeing female prisoners other than her. Um, yeah, I don't think I saw any. I might have to rewatch it and look for it, but something to consider. Like, this is how dangerous is it for her to be the only female or one of very few females, if we're being generous, in this in this context, right? And like, so what is the motivation behind the people in power who was like, oh, she is scary enough and strong enough to send to this prison, right? Is that what it is? Is that well, she is fair, so... You're not wrong. Right? She's definitely strong enough. So, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the motivation, is that is the fear-motivating factor of she's so strong that we need to put her here because anywhere else won't be enough. Ooh, or... that's, and that's really an interesting concept as we bring it back to, like, us, is when why do we choose fear over generosity or love as a motivating factor for our own behavior? Okay, tell me more. Um, because, all right, so the the understanding is the, the the powers that be put Suki there because they're scared of her, because they're scared of what she could accomplish in another prison, because they're scared of her abilities. As as what we do when we typically act out of fear, instead of generosity, instead of compassion, instead of empathy, we typically make we see harsher policies. We see um, we are doing things to protect ourselves at the detriment of other individuals mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're not being vulnerable when we engage with other people it drives disconnection and so if fear drives disconnection how, why do we let it motivate us or how do we know when it's motivating us how do we actively look to see like look at when we make decisions and say are we basing this out of fear or are we basing this out of empathy and love and the, the stakeholder in mind for and I, and I think that's something that's really important to highlight is uh, I, I think one of the things that's important to realize is that our, our brain rewards us. We've talked about this before, but our brain rewards us for creating a connection yep. to finishing a story, even if it's wrong. Correct. And we are in a culture in which we are led to believe that those fixes will solve the problem. So, for instance, uh, if... There is a system in place that is creating um, a, people are have no food, right? People respond by saying, oh, let's give them food. Or we could say, what is preventing people from getting food? And we, then we have to address that. And so it's, again, it's this idea and concept of addressing what is the the cause of the problem versus treating a symptom. Because right? in that situation, treating the symptom feels good. Well, it does. Right? Like but... we're helping and we're doing these things and like I'm being generous and that, and that feels good Yeah, to feel that way. And that's not fixing that current situation. So it calls us to begin with the end in mind. What is the end goal? Is the end goal to continue to allow this system to be, to be present at the, <laughs> at the expense of continuing to treat this symptom 
or is it to solve the problem? And I think oftentimes when people are creating policy, they are trying to preserve the system rather than change it. And so again, if we go back and circle to this, this concept, if we make decisions with the most vulnerable stakeholder, as you said earlier, in mind, what that does is it allows us to create policy that makes it better, not just for that vulnerable stakeholder, but better for everyone. And there, the evidence is like, there's a ton of evidence regarding this, right? Yes. So in like, just for, for people listening, like some of the evidence there is uh, for in, like the economic disparity in our country right now is obscene. Um, there's so many like things. If you just go look at like wealth disparity, there's a couple of short videos that can give you a, a, a synopsis. Um, but one of them talks about how like the 1% are like exponentially more wealthy than the people on the lowest part of the spectrum. And because of that, when those people are making decisions and they are continuing to perpetuate that wealth, right? But what we don't realize is that that is primarily affecting uh, people of color, right? However, the policies that white people in power, white men especially in power, are making are also affecting white people. And so there's a really good book called Dying of Whiteness by last name Metzel, who talks about how people are supporting policies that are hurting them. There's another article by Atul Owende uh, talking about Americans dying of despair. Why are Americans dying of despair? Um, I think it is. And the it argues that there, there's been a mass influx of deaths in um, working class, non-educated white people in our country. And it argues that it's because healthcare is directly associated and intrinsically involved in economics. And perpetuating the economics and the, and the and profits. So based when, off of what's when going people on. don't have money, they are inherently going to have worse health. Right. And so what that has equated is that the white people have been dying at higher and higher rates as the wealth disparity has gone up. But those policies were not created, they were intentionally created to suppress black experiences and so those racist policies are actually killing white people and so like that's i'm making bold claims and there's a lot of research to back this up if you want um resources feel free to reach out uh there's a lot of really great articles that kind of talk about this um so yeah that's, so on that's a macro points. level we see how the fear or at least perpetuating the fear of someone else is going to come take your job someone else is going to commit crimes against you those are the people you need to be worried about don't worry about the policymakers because you need to be scared of these individuals helps shift the blame on that. What happens on a personal level when we make decisions out of fear instead of out of compassion? Like, do you have an example of here's a moment where I made a choice out of fear and this was the outcome? You know, I, I think we see it in the episode. It's not great, but, um, so Chit Sang is uh, comes to this point where he is saying, "Hey, I see you're trying to make an escape, right? Yep. I want in, and I'm gonna bring my friends with me." And like he's at a point where he's like, "I I have to negotiate this because it's my I'm I am not safe here. Yep. I Gotta need get to out. leverage this power that I have right now to get out." 
and he gets caught. And it's because, like, frankly, he's like, I got to go. And we well, just get scared, right? This, gets, this current's not moving fast enough. Like, and it's, and it's, I, a, it's a personal choice. I'm too hot. Yeah. And I think, I don't know how well that illustrates your point, but, like, that to me is what came up. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I think, I think the, one of the examples would have been if, if Z- we see Zuko make the decision early in the episode to help Sokka out of compassion, out of empathy. Had he made a decision out of fear, no way. I don't want to get caught. No way do I want to like not be in that position. A, I like that example um, too. Yeah. Then we would have likely seen an outcome that really hurt Sokka in that moment, and would have probably damaged not just trust with Sokka, but trust with the entire gang mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we talked a lot. That was, we got on a tangent. I'm. It was an. I think it's an important tangent. Yeah. But let's talk. Any other big moments of, of motivation in this episode that we want to talk about? Um, you know, I just, I think it's really beautiful. We, we kind of glossed over this, but I think it's really beautiful how Sokka sees this, this solitary confinement and sees it and chooses to use that as a way to get out he like again brilliant to think of like it's just it's brilliant a, it's think of the, creative, the creativity involved and the like the he has a brilliant mind to come up with that and so i just i just think it's really beautiful that uh oftentimes motivation can allow us when we have creativity and we're open to creativity it can allow us to make decisions that we wouldn't otherwise be able to now right that does remind me that Chit Sang's girlfriend is a part of their escape crew. So yes. she, there is a someone else besides just Suki at That's that right. prison. That's right. Oh, good point. Yeah. Good point. Just a strong little highlight. But all right. Any other big things? So we talked about the warden. We talked about Sokka. We talked about Zuko. We talked about Suki. We talked about Chit Sang for a little bit. Any other big characters that we want to chat or any other big moments before we kind of go into our devotion and gratitude? And voicemail. Ooh, we have a voicemail. We have a voicemail. It's so exciting. Yes, we do. Yeah, you know, um, I feel good. Let's jump into it. Let's go to the voicemail. We're we'll, gonna take a short break, and then we'll come back with a voicemail. Sounds like a plan. We'll be right back. You have reached the voicemail box of Bending Not Breaking. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, this is Kelly from Michigan. I just wanted to say that I've been loving this podcast since I found it a couple months ago after rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender, and I'm so thankful for everything you guys talk about and all the great resources that I've learned about since listening to the podcast. I was just listening to uh, Season 2, Episode 9. Uh, bitter work with the lens of bitterness and you guys were talking about how Katara is upset that Aang never called her Sifu Sifu Katara you know teacher but he did call Toph Sifu Toph and Ben was talking about how he you know heard from somebody that the closer you are to somebody the less respect you show them and I can relate to that you know in my own my own life as a student of karate I'm very close with my sensei and often you know call her by her first name you know when in dojo with her which is not respectful and it's something that I've really been working on and I think we see it in other episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender such as 
the way that Zuko sometimes treats Iroh, um, you know, a bit disrespectful, especially when Iroh is trying to teach him new skills. Um, you know, when that should really be the opposite. You see that with Azula, with her teachers, almost, you know, especially in season three, how she really does not treat them kindly at all. And I think a place where we do see respect given to a teacher is when uh, Sokka meets his master and learns the way of the sword. So it's just interesting to look at all the teachers that we do see uh, in this series and how our characters treat them and how we do see that closeness to the teacher often changes how they are treated. So just something that I noticed. Thank you guys so much for all the work you put into this. We really love it. Bye. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, what a wonderful uh, way to highlight all of those different events that we weren't e even ready to touch on, like Sokka talking about Master Peon Dao and just the humility he showed and the respect that he showed in that situation. Um, but yeah, how do we how do we make decisions out of compassion and how do we act out of our compassion and, and show respect to others? Because it, it really is tough sometimes, isn't it? Like, that's, that's hard. Yeah, again, Kelly, wow. Thank you for connecting with us and sharing this this connection that you made wow I, I i love it so you know as i was listening to your voicemail it made me think about motivation since we're kind of talking about this this episode but when we're going into a a learning environment where we are expecting to learn from someone i think we have to consider like what is our motivating factor and the reason i say that is if our motivation is to is to learn, then I think we're going to go into it with a little bit more humility to learn from our teacher, which mm. is going to enable us to to be more respectful, right? So true. Which is why I think it's really amazing when Aang like says, "Yes, you're right, Sifu Katara," right? And it's a really beautiful moment when we we have our humility checked, and I think that allows us to be more open to learning. So again, like I am in school again and I have to really check myself and be like, okay, I, what is going to allow me to respect my teachers? And it's going in with the motivation of, Hey, I will learn best when I am offering that amount of respect. What is that? Does that make sense? Sunshine? Is that? Absolutely. Cool. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Cool. And, and again, Kelly, thank you so much for sending that. You can, anyone else, you can also send in voicemails yes, to us. Please. The arc of E at gmail.com. Send those voice memos over our way and we would love to put it on on the podcast so thank you again kelly yes 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 now it's time to jump into our devotion devotion, devotion. and we are looking at motivation motivation through the lens or the element of air, air. so ben i'm going to throw it did to you did you hear first. the air in my response i did air. i'm going to throw it over to you first what do you want to do this week in uh, in regards to motivation you, through the lens of air. I really want to consider where my motivation is coming from to do certain things. And so uh, one of the things I love about the, the term inspiration is that it's... Perspiration? No, no, no. Inspiration. What? Okay. Sorry. It, which, uh, a, a way to look at the root of that, the root of it, I think the etymology is that to, pers like, inspire, right, is so... Uh, spira is to breathe and so for, for it's almost as if like to breathe life into and as a form of air and i think um one of the things that's really beautiful is motivation i am inspired 
or rather I am motivated when I am inspired. And so I want to look at like what inspires me. What are the things that um, I see that lift me up and, and give me that, that motivation. And so I, I want to take some time to focus this week on what inspires me so that I can feel motivated to take on the tough things that are in my life right now. What are the things, what are the reasons behind it? And so that I, cause I think oftentimes we get so bogged down in the to-do list and the stress of the tasks that are, that are at hand. And we forget the purpose. We forget the, the breath of life, right? And so I want that, that breath of life. I want that air behind me when I'm doing those hard things, because I think it makes them more manageable. Mm-hmm. Sunshine. I think for me, when I think of air, I, I kind of think of the destructive nature that can be there and the uplifting nature on the other side of the same coin. Um, and so how do we harness that air? And that, that kind of makes me think of my own decision-making process and knowing that my actions, my decisions can be destructive or uplifting. And so how am I being intentional about thinking about the most vulnerable stakeholder, about thinking about where I'm leading from or or making my decisions from a place of fear or a place of compassion and love? And if I can make them out of compassion and love, hopefully that that my, my air can be more uplifting rather than destructive. And I think that that's where, that's where I'm kind of at this week is, is taking intentional time as I make decisions to say, why is this the decision that I'm making? Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the more that you do that, the more that you think about that intentionally, that allows for those split second decisions to come down the line later to have more of that impact almost like through muscle memory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so that's where I'm at. That's what I want to do. I love it. I love it a lot gratitude gratitude time for gratitude i love it you love gratitude i love gratitude it's one of my favorite things here here let's we should do it more often not just for characters but just kind of like like in general what what are you grateful for what's something you're grateful for right now that's not a character y'all i'm recording right now and it's my birthday it is your birthday i I have been really not at the time that this episode comes out. No, but when I went during the time we were recording this, it's my birthday. You I, are thirty. Yeah, y'all. Welcome to the club. I have been really bad in the past about celebrating and like intentionally. Not just you celebrating. You have not my, been bad. You're not bad. I'm not bad. I have been. I have made decisions that have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not in, intentionally not celebrating my birthday because I've been like that kind of person who sits and like waits to see who comments on my birthday, like hoping and waiting for people to make it more than I am making it. And if I, over the course of many years am continually downplaying my birthday, why should I expect other people to lift it up? Right. And I, I, I'm setting the standard, I'm setting the culture for it and people are living into the culture that I am setting. And so I'm grateful that it's my birthday because I want to, celebrate that that i exist and that that's great and i'm lovable and i'm worthy and i'm gonna stop talking now you're all of those things you're so much of those things and we've known each other for 11 years now 2009 yeah 11 years and we didn't love each other our first year no but we got there (laughs) um but in all honesty you've been nothing but uh an inspiration to me and and um, Stop someone it. who is always 
been able to help me become a better person. And so I'm grateful for you. That's my thing. Happy birthday. Thank you. 30. I'm going to just say thank you and not combat that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about characters now as we're getting teary-eyed. Yeah, great. I um, love it. I'm going to go first. Thank you. I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Zuko. I just every oh, it seems like almost every move that he I'm makes so this episode for Zuko. is at the ex, uh, not at his own expense, but it's with others in mind. And that was not the Zuko we got first season. Um, yes. And so the fact that he's choosing things to help others and making decisions based off of how they others will will be impacted um, is something that I'm just so grateful for. That that's his motivation. Um, throughout this episode. And so my props go to Zuko. My gratitude's for Zuko. Oh, I'm just, me too. I'm so grateful. Um, but you got to pick a different character. Yeah, a, a female character, in fact. Um, I want to, I should say, a, a not male character. Um, I want to, I'm grateful for the female guard in the break room. Uh, I don't think we get her name, and uh, I'll look it up. the The female guard in the break room endures what looks like a regular uh, moment of harassment. the The male guard is like Zuko's, like, "Hey, I have a question," and the male guard responds with, "No, you can't date the other guards. That's not okay." And then immediately, like, and by the way, you don't want to. And then she immediately retaliates and hits him. And it's just the culture in that moment is not great. Um, and I just want to make, I just want to lift that moment up and be grateful for, for her, um, for for standing up to it. And um, all, albeit it was probably playful. It's a beautiful act of resistance. But it's it's a beautiful it's exactly what it is. It's a beautiful act of resistance and I'm grateful for her and all of the women who who have endured not because they endured but because they had to and I'm sad that they had to and I'm grateful that she resisted. That's what I'm grateful for. It's been that's the episode. That's, that's it. Boiling Rock Part 1. And for Boiling Rock Part 2... Y'all get ready. Someone's coming back. Uh-oh. That means you have a few guesses. I wonder if there's like a central character in the, in the second part of Boiling Rock. Like a very memorable quote. That maybe has been on this podcast before. You already said that, so... So who could it be? You'll find out You'll next find week. You'll find out. Um, Ben, where are all the places people can follow us? Y'all, please connect with us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. You can find us at BNB underscore pod. You can also find us again at Bending Not Breaking. We have a Facebook page that you can like and see all of our fun memes and stuff like that. And guess what? If you join our Patreon, you can join our, uh, Facebook group, which where we have really cool discussions about all kinds of stuff. Pick some lenses like this one that you we get to help today. pick lenses. You get to we talk about some of the comic stuff that we haven't gotten to yet. We just get into fun, fun little discussions, and we want to invite you to join that if you support us on Patreon. And then also on Patreon, there are other levels where you can get episodes early. You can get really cool new episodes where Max gets to pick his own thing that we do this with, and so he picked the terminal 
for instance, as an example. It's fun. It's a fun little episode. It was a cool little episode. Yeah, fun little episode. And so we'll see what he picks next. But y'all, do us a favor. Check us out. Don't forget. I have a feeling it's going to be Hook. Ooh, probably Hook. Um, And then, of course, you can also engage with live episodes with Sunshine and myself. Max will pop in and said, you know, like not at this time. We just did our first one. We did. We just had our first one. It was really awesome. We looked at episode one through a lens of openness with our patrons, and we are so grateful. Speaking of patrons, we got two patrons of the week. Jessica W., Nick C., patrons of the week. Thank you all so much for your support. Once again, I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And this has been Pruitt. And thank you all so much for listening to Bending Not Breaking. <laughs>